UK Tech Weekly podcast. We're in a grey glass bird's nest in London overlooking the fog and we have some clearing up to do in a detective special today on the UK Tech Weekly podcast. The detectives at the New York Times, of course, uncovering more stuff that Zuckerberg didn't tell you about. But first, on a lighter note, I've got uh, Don Preston and I have Scott Carey here to talk about a quite surprisingly good Detective Pikachu trailer. What the hell is it, Don? And why does it look like it might actually be quite a good film? Uh, Yeah, so this is uh, a a new Nintendo movie that's coming out uh, in spring 2019. It's quite a long lead on a trailer. For a first one, it's uh, it's about six months, which is pretty typical for a film like this. For sort of a big one, you might get even longer, like a year with a brief teaser. But I think for the first trailer like this, we'll see another one in January, February, probably something like that. And then, then it'll come out, it comes out in April, May. It's around it's May, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this it, it's a really interesting choice for Nintendo's first big modern film project. It's not come completely out of nowhere. It's based on a game called Detective Pikachu, right? Which originally I didn't know that existed. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so unaware it, of Detective Pikachu. It's it's this really weird thing where that was a Japanese-only game. It didn't come out oh, in really? the West for about two years. Oh, but it is out here now. It is out now, or it's coming out. Is it, soon. Is it a 3DS thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a 3DS game that only came out in Japan. It was this niche little prospect, and then clearly <laughs> someone somewhere realized, oh wait, this could be a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the talking Pikachu is an element in the game as well. And it is this kind of mystery where you and your detective Pikachu and his little Sherlock Holmes deer stalker hat uh, <laughs> go about solving mysteries. And so when the, as soon as there was this talk that they're making a film, uh, it, it blew people's minds. There was a big fan campaign to get Danny DeVito to nice. do the voice. <laughs> Why? Because in the, game, in the game, it's quite a gruff kind of Pikachu that they do. What, like a kind of Raymond Chandler? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> whiskey swilling Exactly, detective. yeah, yeah. Kind of really lean into the detective side of it. Uh, but they so, haven't. They've gone for. So they've gone for Ryan Reynolds. They've okay. gone for a bankable Canadian star, yeah. <laughs> uh, which says a lot then about the tone the film seems to have mm. based on the first trailer, which is basically Deadpool light. It's Deadpool for kids, isn't yeah. it? It looks very snarky okay. and silly, self-aware. Nod, nod, wink, wink. We all know this is this is what it is. It's okay. also, but it's not nothing to do with Marvel. No, no. Okay. Um, this is uh, being made by. Legendary Entertainment and Warner Brothers, I think. Okay. Obviously, it's um, very difficult. It's a chicken and egg thing for us at this point to work out whether the tone was that way in the script or whether the tone is that way because it's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think, well, so one giveaway on the script side is that one of the two credited writers is Nicole Perlman, who broke to fame when she wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Okay. With James Gunn. So it's that. And she's also writing, uh, has written rather Captain Marvel. And so she's on a, on a big run at the moment of big stuff. So I think... That kind of slightly Guardians-esque, slightly Deadpool-esque tone, that okay. was clearly something that was there from the get-go. And I think it's really telling. It's it's really savvy because this is Nintendo. This is obviously going to be kid-friendly. It's a Pokemon movie. Yeah, this is a kid's film. It's not, but it's not. The target <laughs> market is us. This is a millennial okay. film. Okay. The, all that trailer is, is it, it screams, we're trying to get these snarky millennials with that weird internet sense of humour. And the telling thing about that is the Pokemon that are front and centre, a Pikachu, Jigglypuff, and that silly Mime one whose name I Mr. can't Mime. remember. Mr. Mime. That was the bit in but the trailer. Is that, it called Mr. Mime? Mr. Mime. That's the bit in the trailer that made me laugh the most. It's yeah, Mimic. It's Mimic. When he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, just tell it. To, he, he was miming Mime something, Mimic. obviously. And he's like, he's telling oh, you to remember. shove it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is totally like sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah. But, but So those are all original 150 Pokemon. So that's the stuff that we grew up with people who had Pokemon yeah. Red and Blue on their Game Boy back in the day. 
and it's so they haven't pushed with the Pokemon that sort of have led the last few uh, 3DS games. There is one, uh, the other, the one like non-original Pokemon that gets a couple big shots is called Greninja, which is one I can't remember which games he's from, but he's sort of from one like of the, the, the third generation maybe, but is one that was sort of the hero Pokemon of that generation was really, really popular. Right. Charizard um, gets a lot of airtime in the trailer. Charizard yeah, gets lots of um, so stampeding Bulbasaur's I saw. The Bulbasaur's, yeah. So all the stuff they're pushing is the stuff that we grew up with, the stuff that's going to hit the nostalgia buttons. Not necessarily the stuff, other than Pikachu, obviously, who's eternally popular, but it's not necessarily the stuff that seven-year-olds today will think of as their favourite Pokemon. No. That's yeah. not what they're pushing. They're pushing the ones that are favourite Pokemon. I'm not sure, actually, I know we're saying it's a kid's film, but if I show, yeah, a seven-year-old that trailer, I'm not sure they would laugh or get it. No, I think yeah. it's trying to hit both demos, isn't it? Um, but it's when I say it's a kid's film, it's got, um, what's his name, Smith in it. Justice uh, Smith. Justice Smith. Is he in Jurassic Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park. Um, and it, it, it's, I mean, it's going to be a movie that you could show to a child, basically. Yeah, it's sure. going to be, yeah, it's, exactly. it's not going to be seven... Is this kind of, is this going to be like the the 21st century um total reinvention of like a film I always think like Toy Story like my dad mm-hmm. took me to see that yeah. I thought it was funny cuz oh there's funny toys but like it's actually got really good jokes in it yeah, yeah. it's just like that like the Simpsons like everything yeah. it's, sort it's, of it's two different films for it's it, not going to be Pikachu screaming what's it. in the box yeah <laughs> uh, it's it's not going to be gritty yeah. uh, detective yeah, <laughs> there might be some sort of jokes about kind of film noir in there um yeah, for, yeah. for the adults in the room but yeah it's, it's like it's... a cast in it what's the who's the, who's the old the, the old dying man in uh inception he's in it right ken he... watanabe yeah oh yeah was he in the trailer, yeah, yeah. In the trailer. If, I if he was voice. also the dying man in inception but yeah oh, ken watanabe sure is, is isn't he um bill nye does the intro voiceover in that trailer so yeah. it's there are two the dying well. men in inception aren't there okay fine the uh, asian man yeah the asian yeah. man yeah. ken watanabe um because the white dying man in inception is now dead isn't he yeah uh, this is the last film, Pete Postlewaite. Pete Postlewaite. Right, yeah. Anyway, that's... that's, <laughs> we're, that's such, we're such nerds. I wonder how many people <laughs> don't know what the hell we're talking about. Sorry, The thing listeners. I did want to say about this trailer is just how hilariously jarring it was for me as someone that was coming at it um, with absolutely no prior knowledge. So Same, I'd seen a few tweets where basically it was just Pikachu and his hair still going. Yeah. I was like, what is this? And then I watched the trailer and then it just he just starts talking and it's yeah. Ryan Reynolds' voice and you're just like, I this is completely throw me off yeah. balance. What's the um what's the deal with the fact that not everyone can understand Pikachu? Oh I don't I've not actually played the detective Pikachu game, I so I don't know what that because the lead in this film, if you haven't seen it, listen yeah. Uh, um yeah, he can understand um Pikachu. Yeah, and then so when other people Pokemon, talk to him, they just hear him going, Pika. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon can only ever say their own name, but <laughs> yeah. then for some reason, Genius. the main character in this can actually hear him talk like that Ryan That would Rose. help hurry the story along a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of terrible. Yeah, I mean, it was a big thing in the gaming world when they released this Detective Pikachu game and Pikachu could talk in it because it was that same thing of this is so weird. Right. I talking Pikachu. They're going to yada yada the explanation. Oh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be something. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it'll be something to do with some oh, sort of mystic gem. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be a Mr. Jet. Or Um, Mew might be involved. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Some test tube thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite. Anything else on the Pokemon? No, he's a bit furry. Actually, you were going to say um, that this is going to be the beginning of a Pokemon expanded universe. Well, not necessarily Pokemon, but this is Nintendo's Nintendo's big push into multimedia stuff. And they've been saying for a while in sort of investor calls over the last few years that they basically wanted to be better about making money off of all their intellectual property 
uh, they're very More good money. at doing that in games, but yeah. they've not always done made yeah. the most of it. I remember. I think, sorry, go on, go on. Partly they got burned by the '80s Mario movie, which was yeah. Was that Bob Hoskins? Uh, God, that was bad. Yes, and John Leguizamo. Yeah, <laughs> um, he must been well. Dennis Hopper is uh, the bad guy. Wow. King Cooper. Nice. Um, that's, that's, it's that's it's a terrible film. It's I have so a massive soft spot for it. It's got this amazing design that's kind of like uh, mushroomy Blade Runner. So I really think it's worth anyone watching because the world is like what if Blade Runner but fungus everywhere. Right. And I can't of... believe they made that and that they made that for a Mario movie and it's it's just worth seeing. There is some but... kind of neon Blade Runner aesthetic in the Detective Pikachu uh, trailer yeah. as well because there's yeah, a there scene is. there's a yeah, scene yeah. where yeah, but... he's talking and he's like can you people understand down the market street and it's down like a market street and yeah. then it actually reminded me of the scene in the new blade runner where he meets the prostitute because it's kind yeah. of in like outdoor outdoor tables with all the neon in the background so there's yeah. definitely an aesthetic there yeah um but yeah so th- this is uh this obviously is a big film thing they are making a mario movie as well that one's going to be fully cg i was going to say yeah so that's um being made by um the studio who've made the Despicable Me, Despicable Me and Minions movies. Okay. So that's coming in 2022, probably. I'd imagine that would be less... That would be more kid-focused, yeah, I, I think. More openly a kid's film. Uh, there's also really interesting stuff that came out the other week that they are in talks to make something to do with The Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. probably for Netflix. It was Adi Shankar who's the showrunner on the Castlevania anime that's on Netflix right now, which had huge critical acclaim, and it's really, really, really good. Uh, as somebody who hasn't even played the Castlevania games, I think it's actually like, fantastic. It's just this weird, violent, gothic, western anime. I've played a bit um, of Castlevania. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, The second season dropped last month, I think. There's um, so much stuff buried on Netflix, isn't there? Yeah, if you don't. Yeah, my algorithm sucks. If the algorithm hasn't <laughs> picked out that you s- might like that thing, you're never going to see it. It's a shite comedy. <laughs> I need to go digging. But yeah, so so he uh, he's in talks to make... It, or basically, he's caught the gaming industry's attention after that, or he's pursuing them. I don't know which way around it goes. But after that doing very well, he's been in talks for something to do with Assassin's Creed animated oh, right, yeah. after they did the rubbish live-action movie. But he's also in talks to do something Zelda, which sounds like it would probably be more of a TV show. Um, wow, big. So that's another big thing that's going to come. Um, yeah, then, then there was stuff... There's been for years. There's been speculation that Metroid might get a movie, and then Brie Larson wore a Metroid costume for Halloween, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. which sort of stoked that again. And now everyone's saying, "Oh, they so could do it," and she could do it. Apart she's... from the Mario film, I'm trying to think of other video game films. They're not that many. Tomb, that... Tomb Raider's there pretty bad. Been loads. I mean, so the, well, we've had three <laughs> Tomb Raider films. Watch them. Doom um, was was Doom was oh, all yeah. right. Doom the Rock thing. Uh, I, I Resident Evil Doom. actually is a long running franchise. Yeah. yeah, like five of them, six of them. Oh, I forget those. Yeah, Kate um, Beckinsale. Yeah, we got is... a live action. No, Beckinsale. No, no, she's underworld. underworld. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, thingy from Fifth Element. That's Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there was a live action Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. That looked terrible. The other year that got very bad reviews. Um, the terrible Mario movie is just the absolute best, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the peak. But uh, yeah, there, there have been there have been rubbish video game movies being made for years. We've had like two Hitman movies. Um, Mortal Kombat movies are classic. Mortal Kombat's way back when. Uh, Street Fighter has been done both years ago and more recently. Uh, they, they people keep trying. Golden Eye, of course. Failing. Of course. <laughs> that's a joke. Yeah. I get, I get cool. So this this is one of the things where yeah the small screens had a bit more luck like with Castlevania but there still hasn't really been a great video game adaptation there've been some okay ones but they're mostly pretty bad 
It just shows this voracious hunger for content and IP-based content at the moment yeah. um, from the studios. Like you saw this week, that AMC have announced that they're going to completely expand the Walking Dead universe, and there's going to yeah. be a, like four Rick Grimes movies, and there's going to be a game, and it, there's yeah. there's just there's this gaping void for content at the moment from all the streaming services, especially as Disney yeah. comes online and all the other ones come online. Um, so you, you're going to just see every single piece of IP like this just yep. bled for as much value as possible. Well, from Pokemon and one beloved franchise to another well-regarded video game, uh, Tetris. Less fluffy characters. <laughs> yeah, more more, uh, more angles. <laughs> um, Better music. What is Tetris in the news for this week? Uh, so there's a new game out on PlayStation 4 uh, called The Tetris Effect, which is really... So, it, you know, Tetris has been re-released every now and then. So every it's few years, some new version <laughs> comes out, has done since the original. Um, and it's normally not very exciting to anyone except diehard Tetris fans. And the Tetris effect has been a bit of a surprise because it's suddenly in everyone's Game of the Year lists and in contention for sort of prizes. And, and uh, it's been getting five-star reviews across the board. Okay, so wait, wait. So it's Tetris, but on a, like a, a home console. So it's Tetris on the PlayStation 4, so it's on a home console. Uh, it's also compatible with PlayStation VR, right? Uh, which is definitely the better way to play it if you've got that. Uh, what it is is it's so it's from um, the uh, devs who who brought Res Infinite to VR a while ago, which is another which is a sort of rhythm puzzle game. Okay, and this is kind of moving Tetris into the same space where it's basically incorporating the music into the game and incorporating visual effects into it as well. So. It's it's named after this sort of state that people get in where after you've been playing Tetris um, for for such a long time that you start to see the tetriminos around you. And <laughs> is that, of, is you know, that the correct sort of term? See things slotting in. Yeah, tetrimino. I did not know that. Um, I may not be pronouncing it right. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> tetrimino. Uh, tetrimino. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is a game that's basically being created from the ground up to create this immersive, uh, consuming state of mind where basically you sort of play through and every stage has different music and different visual effects going on so say in one you're going and there's all these sort of dolphins made of beads of light swimming <laughs> around you while these like water all the tetris box on this one are watery there's this like flowing music and every time you move a block or rotate a block or slot a block or clear a line it makes a noise which fits in with the song Right. So it's this weird kind of rhythm game space where by playing Tetris, you are contributing to the song, contributing to the whole audio-visual experience that's all reactive to what you're doing. And uh, just it just makes it so much more... Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. All your senses get tied into the actual actions you're making. Okay. And uh, especially in VR, it's very, very overwhelming. Cool. Um, There's nothing really like that. I can't think of anything. Yeah, it's very unusual. I had and Donkey Konga on the GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> Great game. Do you remember that with the, bo- with the actual bongo controller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still got my bongos <laughs> sitting around somewhere. I think I have too. Oh man, we should bring him in. But no, this sounds like way. This is like a completely different genre. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and it's taken me by surprise because you know, I mean, I like Tetris as much as anyone in that kind of. You know, I had it on the Game Boy, and I remember losing hours to it. But I would never go and buy Tetris again for a modern. You know, I've not been in a rush to play, and I could just get it on my yeah. phone if I wanted to. I've never bothered. Um, but this feels like something different. It feels like something very special, especially in VR. Um, I'm still working my way through the sort of main single-player mode. But uh, what's really fascinated to me is that quite a lot of the reviews talk about one of the final stages being very moving. 
I've read people talking about crying while playing this Tetris game wow. because it was such an emotional experience. And that didn't, is didn't, kind didn't of mind-blowing. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. You need to keep playing and you can come back on the pod when you've shed a tear. I'm weeping <laughs> uncontrollably. Well, thanks yeah. for that. I feel like once someone tells me that something's going to be hugely moving, it's not going to move me. Because I kind of steal myself to it. Yeah. yeah, it happens in a lot of movies where someone will be like, "The ending's going to knock you for six and then mm. I kind of steal myself to it. And I, yeah, my friend it. recommended a book to me because he said it made him cry, and I read it, and it was it was really depressing. But I was just waiting to cry, so it didn't happen. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm hard as nuts. Maybe. <laughs> Do I mean nails? <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean nails. <laughs> well, on that bombshell. <laughs> Let's have some drums and synths and then come back and talk about something mildly serious. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Scott, um, yeah, another app. Another fuck up. Yeah. What's this one? Yeah, this is such a such a less fun topic to talk about <laughs> for everyone involved. Well, it's quite important. Um, so Facebook again in the news again. Um, it's one of those stories that the New York Times have uh, published, which they've been getting in the habit of doing for the last kind of two years, which kind of makes you just kind of stop what you're doing and read it. Um, this is a, a long, old, like, long old expose. Yeah, long old expose. Um, basically focusing in on how Facebook has responded to its multiple um, public relations uh, issues and scandals over the last uh, two years. So that encompasses um, fake news, uh, yeah. Russian bots, um, Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, all of these things that have been reported already. But what this New York Times piece does is it delves into how Facebook internally has kind of responded to those crises. Oh, internally rather than publicly in um, statements and stuff. Yeah, and and the, the key takeaway basically is that Facebook has embarked on what you would traditionally call a, a dirty tricks campaign, right. which is where you employ uh, public relations, lobbying professionals um, to basically smear your opponents to make you not look so bad. Um, it involves um, a huge amount of public relations work and lobbying to make sure that Congress don't come down on you so hard um, when, you know, you've been breaking data privacy regulations. Um, and I was saying to you earlier, Henry, the problem with this story is that um, because I cover Facebook or because I am in, like, I basically read so much about facebook i wasn't really shocked by these no. by the piece mm. a lot of people were saying you know it was jaw-dropping jaw-dropping kind of um uh revelations um i wasn't that surprised that this is how they kind of go about their business no. this is very typical corporate behavior when when the shit hits the fan this is how corporations tend to respond the problem is this is how corporations in oil and gas and financial services tend to respond this is not how liberal leaning silicon valley companies that talk about connecting the world and making the world a better place it's generally not the way that they respond to crises it's what the baddies do we're all used to the baddies doing it and it's sort of now (laughs) oh wait a face with the baddies this is what goldman sachs would do this is what bp would do for me, there were two um, the, the two things that stood out, and I know there's lots of angles to this, but this is just what I saw. Um, since this article has been published, there have been uh, one quite uh, serious claim that Zuckerberg's had to respond to publicly, and then another I thought sort of more um, 
sort of trivial one that I just found uh, quite funny. Was uh, it the phones one? Yeah. <laughs> so the trivial thing is that suppose it, the, the piece claims that the reason Zuckerberg told everyone at Facebook that they have to use an Android phone and they can't use an iPhone is um, after the, the data breach scandals and Tim Cook was interviewed on uh, MSNBC, I think. Yeah. Um, he was like, oh, this would never happen at Apple because, you know, privacy is uh, really important to us and it's your civil liberty and we, it's, we protect that. It's because Tim Cook was mean to him. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> which is, um, yeah, which is funny that it's uh, the other way around because, uh, side note, Steve Jobs was so angry at a Microsoft employee saying that their products were better than his that he actually canned the iPad, which was meant to come before the iPhone. Mm. And they changed it into the iPhone first. Yeah. Anyway. Did Zuckerberg originally sell that in as like a security thing? Yeah, he also said that because Facebook is a global product um, and that iOS is only actually the majority used in the West, yeah. that they should be using Android phones because actually the majority of the two billion people who use Facebook are doing it on Android phones. It really is because Tim Cook said mean things yeah. about him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny because he's actually come out and, and, and said that. And then the other thing, which is slightly uh, more important, is that another one of these third-party apps, I've actually forgotten the name of it, that the piece uh, says... Um, basically that Zuckerberg didn't know about it and then they've sort of cut ties with them now but his his PR response to this oh it, um, this lobbying group that we just sort of didn't know about yeah his response was yeah I didn't know about it yeah that that was it there was not even I didn't know about it and these are the reasons why or this is what we've now done he was just like basically qualifying that this all happened because he didn't know yeah so I've kind of buried the lead here because that really is the crux of what this piece gets at the crux of this piece is that Sheryl Sandberg is the one pulling the strings here and her title at the company she's is... the chief operating officer um she's an ex-googler um she also uh, worked for the treasury secretary at one point um she's a um massive democrat uh donor and yep. she um i think she worked on the hillary clinton campaign she did um she basically yeah she she very much is a um a washington and a silicon valley insider um which puts her in a very unique position to be uh you know kind of at the forefront of all of these things that i just talked about in terms of lobbying in terms of dealing with congress in terms of dealing with public relations uh what it showed was that Sheryl Sandberg for all of her kind of public persona as a um as a very liberal leaning uh executive a very powerful executive someone that um tends to uh empower women in executive roles she yeah. wrote a very popular book called Lean In um she also had a, a horrendous tragedy last year when her husband suddenly died and wrote a book about that as well so she's always been this kind of very well revered um, figure in Silicon Valley, but what this piece really shows is as another side Sheryl Sandberg, and it is <laughs> she is cutthroat. Yeah, she uh, it's that very much attack or be attacked uh, mentality, um, and she did not mess around when when Facebook came under attack over the last two years, and and basically used every political power and ploy and connection uh, that she could possibly use um, to try and protect her company. Mm. Did it did it work? Uh, probably it worked <laughs> until now. I mean, it didn't really work. I mean, they, they the company has just been dealing with shitstorm after shitstorm for the last two years, and their their public um, uh, they're basically uh, the way they're thought of in in public and their trust um, is falling through the floor. I agree with you, but they thought of in public in certain sectors. Yeah, but also mm. your point stands. Um, their, their stock price hasn't moved. No, their stock price hasn't moved a jot. It might have dropped. I mean, it's dropped over the last two years, but it's still maintained a huge amount of its value. Well, I mean, basically, the top line is Wall Street doesn't give a shit. 
uh, <laughs> about any of this, and um, which makes sense because Wall Street. No one's going to walk away from that big an advertising monster, is no, it? No, and Wall Street would have liked BP, and it would have liked Goldman Sachs, regardless yeah. of the way they went about their business, because yeah. they were still behemoths, and that's what Facebook is now. Yeah. The the difficulty people are having is is separating the set up in his Harvard uh, dorm room uh, attitude towards Facebook and what it is now, which is a, a, a global corporation. Well, it's funny that you, that you said that because uh, yeah, his um, his thing in front of Congress when he had to answer to a lot of the Cambridge Analytica stuff, uh, it really annoyed me that he so often brought up the fact that he was like, oh, I started this in my dorm room. Yeah. But apparently, as the piece says, and as we probably could have guessed, um, poor old uh, ro- robot Mark. But yeah, he was properly drilled before that to basically avoid all the questions in a kind of eloquent way yeah and he did and supposedly yeah he told one of the guys um again sorry i've forgotten the name of the uh the 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 guy that he said it to during the the hearing but he was apparently personally surprised at the the level and sort of the intensity of the questioning yeah which the piece sort of suggests that like even then in that bigger pile of shit (laughs) he's still not aware of how powerful facebook is yeah I mean, Sandberg would have been way better at facing Congress, but <clears> they obviously asked for the CEO. I mean, Sandberg would have done a far better job. Yeah. Um, she's much more polished. She's much better at that kind of that kind of thing. Uh, Zuckerberg has no political instincts whatsoever. Well, she uh, turned up to the Senate Intelligence Committee hearing, right? She did where, the one where Larry Page didn't turn up. Which is great PR for great them. Great for them, mm-hmm. because all of the, the flack ended up being on Google, not Facebook. Jack Dorsey turned up with his weird upturned collar. He did. And Sandberg. <laughs> well, he had no collar. It was, it was one weird, of those weird, it? like, monk collars. Like, yeah, but he'd also flipped it up. Monk. And he had, like, a pirate earring. It was fucking weird. <laughs> He's yeah, a weird Jack, dude. He is a weird dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there's a couple of other little things that um, the piece kind of... Um, it, I mean, it's worth reading anyway, but it kind of throws up a few other interesting things. Basically, in 2015, when um, Trump was still presidential candidate, um, Facebook very much... Uh, strongly strongly considered uh, whether he had violated their terms and whether his account should be suspended is that uh, to do when he uh, suggested his policy would be to ban muslims it was a muslim ban no. comments um and basically the times revealed that the conversation that went on with the general counsel at facebook and everyone involved at the time basically was like don't poke the bear was the exact quote basically <laughs> don't poke the bear of republican supporters because the backlash yeah. will be too strong so let's just leave it right um, it, seems... We kind of knew that, but it's interesting to see it on paper. And also, yeah. it's it's not difficult to extrapolate that onto other social media companies and wonder whether that's yeah. the policy they've taken as well. Well, yeah, it kind of it's in line with the whole uh, narrative that Twitter still considers itself like an open platform and it doesn't have any political responsibility, which is yeah. why it doesn't ban Even Nazis. when Donald doesn't... Trump threatens nuclear war on the platform. Yeah, it doesn't ban Nazis. And then, yeah, that piece also points out that um, I, th- I think it was, I, I could, could be wrong, but I think it was uh, in a, a Recode interview where um Kara Swisher poked um Zuckerberg enough for him to actually admit that he didn't think that um Holocaust deniers should be yeah. banned from Facebook because they sort of it's like this don't poke the bear thing but then also politically if they do it once they're going to be held to account for everything they yeah. just don't, yeah. they don't want to get but they involved. have to start taking positions on all sorts of topics once they take a position yeah. on one you're committed to they well if you did it then why don't you do it now so they've got to start deciding actually what facebook, the facebook yeah, line is he really still everything. thinks that it's a me- like a, a media company when it is a publisher yeah, yeah and as you as you and they have the... a responsibility to do that yeah and they and... just don't no. And as you brought up the Holocaust <laughs> denier thing, that, that's also another angle on this piece is that there's a lot of kind of um, Israel lobby um, uh, sort of a- um, activities going on around this. So um, the company that 
uh, Facebook hired to do a lot of its um, public affairs was a company called Definers. That's the one I was trying to think and of. And Definers yeah. was set up by a bunch of um, Republican um, veterans who deploy very Republican political kind of strategies onto corporate affairs. That's things like um, research-based uh, PR, um, things like smearing rivals. Um, but also they um, their efforts did include depicting um, <clears throat> George Soros as the force but behind the anti-Facebook um, uh, kind of movement, yeah. um, which is just a classic, classic Republican move is to blame everything on Soros. Yeah. Um, and when you've got, you know, Sandberg and Zuckerberg, who are both uh, Jewish executives, it just kind of leaves a, a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth. Yeah. Still haven't deleted my Facebook, though. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Don't um, know why I haven't. No, me neither. I don't want to. I don't want anyone to really see all those photos I'm tagged in. So no. why wouldn't I delete it? I don't really use it for anything anymore. It's just there. The only thing I ever use it for is if somebody like invites you to a party, but they don't actually text you. They just add you on Facebook. Yeah. Not that I get invited to that many parties, by the way. But no. <laughs> yeah, I don't really need it. I no. do use Messenger though. Can you can you can you deactivate your Facebook account and still use Messenger? I don't know because I hate Messenger. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm the same it. I use it's Messenger even more bit, now. But yeah. Not not the actual main app. Well. Um. So the the last thing is is. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens here. Um, my suspicion, my suspicion is nothing. My suspicion <laughs> yeah, is yeah. nothing. I think Sandberg will keep her job. I think Zuckerberg will keep his job. I think their their stock price will stay fairly level. Um, I think we'll probably see some more stuff come out. Um, but it, all in all, it's it's not actually going to have um, an impact. Which A couple is... of people didn't keep their jobs, did they? No, so I mean Stamos uh, left. I, yeah, think I think Alex so. Stamos was the head of security. Was that largely down to the fact they investigated it without really make without really telling anyone yeah the bit i mean it's worth reading the piece for that actually because it's really interesting how kind of stamos went about kind of investigating the russian bots and then kind of realized how bad it was and then kind of bided his time until he told executives because he knew they really wouldn't want to hear what he had to tell them and then when he (laughs) did tell them that the problem was worse than they expected he got screamed at by cheryl sandberg in front of everyone apparently um, where she said that he threw them under the bus. And it's like, well, do you want me to not tell you or do you want yeah. me to tell you? Um, it, it's, what was it's the problem sh- that he hadn't brought it up sooner? Well, I think the general counsel said he should have brought it up sooner, but I don't know. I don't know what she wanted really from him. Um, it, it, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't think they should worry about it now because they got Nick Clegg. <laughs> it's true. I forgot that. He'll ball in in the new year into He'll, Silicon Valley sort it out. with his yellow ties and his... <laughs> wispy aura he's part of this though he's part of this he's part of the lobbying and the pr machine at facebook and he's the european arm of that and he's part of the dark arts side of things so fun times cool well thank you both cheers the light and the dark of tech this week (laughs) we'll come back next week go and play a nice tetris game with like dolphins and it'll don't look at the news at the weekend because this country is falling to shit so let's just put our vr headsets on and like play tetris with some whales and play the new pokemon game Uh, out today yeah let's go pikachu guy he's having a great he's having having a great run pikachu's having a good run not ryan reynolds pikachu though it's just a new switch game is it yeah just a new switch game it's basically a loose remake of the original uh, red and blue but with some pokemon go-esque mechanics thrown in Mm. to make it more accessible and stuff like that the franchise rolls on yep thanks both this franchise will hopefully roll on next week if the country's still here if the country's still here (laughs) we'll satellite phone it in if not thanks for listening have a good weekend bye UK Tech Weekly Podcast 
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.